Well, I want to welcome all of you who watch every week online, and I want to welcome all of you who survived the storm last night and made it to one of our campuses here at the Hills. We started a series on Easter weekend titled Alive and Free. And the idea behind the series is that just as Jesus told Lazarus to not just come out of the tomb, but to get out of his grave clothes, so Jesus doesn't want us just to experience salvation where we're no longer dead to our sins, but Jesus wants us to experience liberation where we're no longer bound by the thoughts and habits of that old life that want to cling to us. And I just have to say, the Holy Spirit has been working in some hearts because I have been overwhelmed by feedback. It's one of the reasons why we're preparing discussion questions for this series for every single lesson. They're online because I want you to go deep as we study. People have shared with me through email, phone conversations, and other venues stories of liberation and of bondage that have been overwhelming to me. I feel like I have been standing on holy ground this week, and I thank you for your vulnerability And what I'm hearing from so many of you is, I am thankful for my salvation. But it's now time to get truthful about my bondage. Because even though I am alive in Christ, I'm not as free as I think Jesus wants me to be. And I praise God that more of us are starting to understand That since Jesus is the resurrection and the life, not will be, but is right now, we don't have to wait in tombs for his return before we finally get liberated. We can start to be free today, but we're going to have to change our minds about the possibility of real freedom. And that means our minds are going to have to change. Because freedom's fight is launched from headquarters. And that's why I say we must all beware what I call the mind field. I said last time, the wrong place to start in the quest for freedom, is by addressing enslaving behaviors. Here's the reality. People behave like they behave because they believe what they believe, whether they recognize it or not. No one wakes up and says, today I want to start down the path to bondage. I want to wind up in a place where I am addicted to medications or narcotics. I want to wind up in a place where I'm addicted to porn. I want to wind up in a place where I am not in control of my temper. I want to become a pathetic people pleaser. I want to live in fear. Fear that I'm losing my health. Fear that I'm losing my savings. Fear that I'm losing my soul. Nobody wants to end up there. 
But we get there because we don't understand that the power of the chain is not in the what, it's in the why. Let me illustrate. In the late 1980s, the National Park Service began to notice some erosion in the magnificent Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Because every day the Park Service was having to use soap and water to get the droppings of the sparrows and starlings off the memorial. But why were the birds there? Because there were a lot of little spiders on the walls that they wanted to eat. But why were the spiders there? Because there's this little insect called the midge that breeds in the muddy flats of the Potomac River behind the memorial. And at night, these little insects were attracted to the bright lights on the memorial, and they would fly into the limestone walls, and they would leave their protein remains that would attract the spiders, that attracted the birds, that left the droppings, that brought the park service, that brought the soap and water, that caused the erosion. Do you understand? They had to ask why four times. To find what the real problem is. So do we. Because behind all bondage is a lie. That is usually very hard to see. And behind all lies is a liar. Who is definitely very hard to see. To see. Okay, so if you are new to the whole Christian and church thing and you're not sure you believe yet, I get that. And this may not be your worldview yet. But as Christians, we don't believe that evil is just random. We believe in a personal, malevolent, spiritual being. That is behind all the evil in the world. The Bible calls him Satan. And I've spoken about this many times. In fact, the last time I preached on Satan, a sweet lady came up to me later and said, I never saw the devil so clearly as when you were up there preaching about him. (laughs) And Satan travels at the speed of thought. You see, his primary strategy has always been deception. He likes to sow suggestions in your mind that call into question the character and the calling of God. So go all the way to the front of the Bible. How did the whole thing with evil in the world get started? He showed up and he said, did God really say? Why do you think God is against What do you think God doesn't want you to have? Do you think that would really happen? And his strategy hasn't changed. That's why Paul would say to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 11, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, notice your mind may somehow be led astray. The mind is the line of scrimmage. It is the primary battlefield where Satan operates. So, 
Has it ever crossed your mind that not every thought that crosses your mind originated with you? Satan loves to plant lies in the mind field, usually in disguise. And if you don't capture those lies, those lies will capture you. And so Paul would also tell the same church in chapter 10, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, do you want to abolish the slavery that is in your life. To abolish slavery, you must demolish the stronghold that is behind it. You cannot address the what until you expose the why. A stronghold is an entrenched pattern of thought. It has taken root and it has been built up in your mind. You may not even be aware of it. But it is now holding strong your thinking. It's contrary to the truth of God. And it is giving the enemy a secure place to have access and authority in your life in ways that you don't even understand. We have all looked back on our life and realized there was a time when I was held strong by some things I was thinking that now I can look back at and realize they weren't true. And so, do you understand why it is difficult to develop a moral compass in a young person? If building in their mind since they were little is the idea that they're just evolved pond scum. That there is no real purpose and meaning to life. We're all just cosmic accidents. If that stronghold is in the mind, why shouldn't the strong conquer the weak? How do you build a moral compass with that thought system controlling the mind? If you believe, and you may not think this cognitively, but the stronghold is there, that what you have communicates who you are. You're going to wind up in bondage to greed. You're going to wind up in bondage to workaholism. You probably are already in bondage to debt. 
Because people behave like they behave because they believe what they believe. And so early in my ministry, a young woman came to see me. And what I remember about her is that she never smiled, ever. She was an attractive young woman, had a wonderful husband with a good job, two beautiful children. And she was so unhappy. And I looked at all the reasons why she should be thankful and told her to not feel that way anymore. And count her blessings. What brilliant counsel that was. I focused on what? If I had done the hard work of digging into why. I might have learned that she was an unexpected and unwanted child who heard her father say more than once, we weren't planning on you, and I was hoping you'd be a boy. And she grew up having a tape play in her mind every day in her home. I'm not wanted. I'm not worthy. Do you understand why she had trouble receiving love from her husband? Can you understand why she was driven by perfectionism? Her home had to be perfect and her kids had to be perfect because she was, without realizing it, behaving in ways that said, somebody, please give me some worth because I have none. Now, you don't overcome that kind of bondage by behavior manipulation and secular psychobabble. Only divine truth can set you free from that kind of stronghold. That's why Jesus, when he talked about that boy in the far country, said the first thing he had to do was come to his senses. He had a breakout when he finally had a breakthrough and began to think straight. I'm going to say it again. You don't get free and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus to get free. Because when you come to Jesus, you start to come to your senses. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature. He's talking about the old grave clothes. Your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So here's the good news. The Bible says a stronghold can be removed. Because the mind can be renewed. You don't repair a stronghold, you get rid of it. You don't tolerate it, you eradicate it. Many sports journalists believe that's the most important picture of the last century. 
that day in 1954 when Roger Bannister, a young medical student in England, did what everyone said couldn't be done. He ran a sub-four-minute mile. Do you know the barrier was never really in the legs, it was always in the mind. Everyone just assumed it couldn't be done. But here's what many don't know. Within 10 years of that race, 336 other men ran a mile in under four minutes. Once that stronghold of thought came down, freedom began to be experienced by many. That's how it works. You must change your mind about changing your mind. And this renewal of the mind isn't something you do by grit. It is a gift of the grace of God. It's not something you do for God. It's something that God does for you. That's why the next verse in Ephesians 4 says, So let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we're saved is He begins to expose lies in our lives that we have been living. He identifies and He helps us to crucify old carnal thought systems. And so seriously, one prayer that you should pray fairly regularly is, Lord, may Your Spirit reveal to me anything I've been thinking that I may not even be aware is out of line with your truth, with your character, with your heart. And then what happens is that God begins to reprogram the mind. He gives us new software to run. Because remember, freedom's first step is claiming your true identity. You're no longer slaves to fear. You are the children of God. And as sons and daughters of God, we are being recreated into the image of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. God is actually doing a work in you, changing who you are from the inside out into who you were meant to be. This is going on. So what that means is we're not just believing in Jesus. We're learning to believe like Jesus. We're learning to have thoughts Jesus would have. The Bible calls us having the mind of Christ. Remember a few years ago, a lot of people wore bracelets that said WWJD. I liked them, but there's one that you should have worn first, WWJT. What would Jesus think? And I'm telling you, it really is possible for you and me to start thinking more like Jesus thinks. Because truth is more than just assenting to a correct doctrine. Walking in truth means I start seeing reality the way God sees it. If you see reality the way the devil sees it, 
whether you know it or not, you are giving Satan access and authority in a part of your life. But when you start walking in reality the way God sees it, when you start learning to think like Jesus, the truth sets you free. And you're not going to live freer than you think. So, what you and I need to do is become free thinkers. Now, you can't renew your mind. But the Holy Spirit will not renew your mind without your cooperation. You must decide if you want to go through the hard, sometimes painful process of having your old thoughts exposed and uprooted. Because here's the thing. When you came to Christ, when you confessed His name, when you were baptized and you were raised out of that water to start living a new life in the power of the Spirit, here's the reality. Your old software is still in your memory bank. It's still there. You have to decide which software is going to run in my mind today. Do you really want to change your mind? Paul said to the Romans, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Notice most verses said, let. Let the Spirit renew your mind. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. God can reset, but you have to let. So last month, if you follow the NFL, you may have heard the story about a young man named Chris Moreland who retired, which was strange because he had only played in the NFL one year, and he was good. Many said he was one of the very best defensive rookies in the league, and he was a couple of years away from signing a contract for multi-million dollars. But Chris retired. He said, because of some injuries in my past and because of some research I've done on concussions, I'm going to quit football And take care of my head. Good for you, Chris. It's great wisdom to do what you have to do. To protect your head. Because the fight for freedom is launched from headquarters. So how can we learn to let? How can we cooperate with God in renewing our mind? Well, here's a couple of things. We can think about what we think about. Now, you're thinking, I can't help what I think about. Actually, the Bible says you can. The Bible says you need to own responsibility for your thoughts. In fact, in one place in the Bible, Philippians 4, Paul says, Whatever is lovely and noble and pure, 
That's what you ought to be thinking about. Now, we live in a day where most of our life is behind passwords, right? We've got passwords for our phones and passwords for our computers and passwords for our garage doors and passwords for all of our finances. And a lot of times our passwords are pretty lazy. One, two, three, four, five, six is a popular password. Not very good. Or the word password is not a good password, okay? So if you're using it, just be aware. Isn't it true that the more you value something, the more you think about how to keep it secure? So how intentionally do you mind what goes into your mind? The Bible says to guard your mind. But for most of us, it's not like we want to be wicked. We're just kind of lazy. And it's always easier to do the easy thing instead of the best thing. So we come home and we just turn on the TV. We get in the car and we just punch and listen to the top 40. And we hardly give attention to what we're putting in our mind. Listen, it's hard to renew the mind that is constantly getting reloaded by the propaganda of the wisdom of the world. Now, that's one of the reasons why I gave you this million-chapter challenge. Because I know the power of putting the Word in your mind. The Bible is a great virus detector. The Bible, the more you store it in your hearts, will alert you to thoughts that are not in line with the truth of God. And so, for example, 1 John 2. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you're strong. You don't have to be a Christian 30 years to get strong. You can become strong early in your walk in Christ. How? God's Word lives in your hearts, and you have won your battle with the evil one. You know how sometimes we'll say, think for a change. Well, let's change the way we say that. Think for a change. Let's think about what we think about and guard our minds. And second... Let the cross cross your mind. Since the garden, the enemy has attacked the character of God. And every time you hurt, every time you suffer, every time something goes wrong, every time a hard question comes up, he is there to whisper, what kind of God is that? No amount of knowledge in your head is going to help if you don't have a fresh revelation of God's love in your heart. And so the Spirit of Christ is constantly pointing us to the cross of Christ, saying, your Father loves you this much. And so, 
About 15 years later, God in His grace let me have another time with that woman. And this time we didn't talk about what. This time we talked about why. This time we talked about a father who adored her. Who always wanted her. Who delighted in every moment of her life. And she began to believe a stronghold that had been in her mind for 30 years began to be demolished. And she began to smile. She smiles all the time now. Because she is finally free. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Look forward to that gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Focus on grace. Focus on the assurance of your salvation. Focus on the liberation that is coming. The victory that is guaranteed. Focus on a God that adores you. I'm tired of being captive to destructive thoughts and habits. You are too. Let's let God recapture our hearts. He loves you right where you are. But He loves you too much to let you stay there. He wants you to be alive and free. Everyone stand please. In the chairs in front of you and on the tables around the building, there's a card that looks like this. It's blank for a reason. You'll notice at the tables and here on the stage are places that we design to look like old grave clothes. And what we're asking you to do is to write on this card that part of your life that is bondage. You are tired. Of dealing with. And in a moment after I pray, we're going to sing a song. And during that song, I'm just going to ask you in a step of faith to come and take that card and place it on these grave clothes. It's the first step, not the only, but the first step to freedom, to identify the bondage and to begin the hard work of finding the why that is driving the what. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to have the courage to let the Spirit reveal a part in your life where the freedom Christ purchased for you 
It's not fully yours yet. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will send a revival of freedom to our church. It's been overwhelming, God, to see how many in every service have already responded. People are yearning, God, for the life you want them to have. And yet, even now, I know the enemy is whispering. This is too good to be true. You can't change. It's all just talk. But, Father, in Jesus' name, we speak against that lie. We know that he that could not be held by a grave is not intimidated by any chain that's holding us. And so, God, right now, give us the courage to take a step in the direction of freedom. For Jesus' sake, amen.